Strong Sports Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the Soviet perspective on the Miracle on Ice and what they felt as their dynasty was falling apart before their very eyes and how they felt when a bunch of nobodies beat them at their own game. So join with us as we travel back to Lake Placid, New York in 1980 as we... Talk about the Winter Olympics, round two. Awesome, Brayden. And now this is a very interesting topic. Um, we all, like we mentioned in the first episode, we talked about the U.S. From their perspective, the happiness, the joy, like the, the joy of overcoming a hurdle and being able to, to beat a great team like the Soviets. But now let's look at the Soviets. How, what happened to them? What made them lose this game? That changed the outcome in the long run. But for us to understand the Soviet Union and how their team became so dominant, we would have to go back in time. Go back 20 some years ago. And basically, it's basically how Russia, or now Russia, became a hockey nation. When it first started in Russia, they had a lot of sources as far as like the winter, especially played a huge advantage. But however, when it came to playing hockey, um, nobody has ever played hockey. Nobody, or even uh, nobody has even even played in Canada to know the rules. So, um, in order to do that, uh, the coach at the time, I forget, I don't remember the name, decided, okay, we're going to create our own brand of hockey. And basically what they did is, they used a form of musical, classic musical, sort of like if you've heard of the Russian orchestra that you hear, and made it more into, instead of the ordinary Canadian hockey that basically it's all, oh, you go up and down, it was made into beauty. It was made, like, when they ski, it had to be precise. When they hit a puck, it has to be hit properly and hard. And it became more of a beauty. It became more of an art. It's like, it's seeing Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel. That's how it was when the, when the, Soviets started it that way and they dominated it that way that nobody knew how to play it but then eventually the coach was canned because of or fired because of political reasons uh, he told he was told to do something that he was uncomfortable with he said no and so they brought in this new coach uh, I know his first name is I don't remember his name uh, but it became more disciplined. It's kind of like, you can't go out, you can only stay in your room. Basically, they were locked in. It was basically you were in the military, pretty much. You couldn't go out. Like The only times you can go out is Christmas, and that's it. The rest of the time, you were training for the, nas- for the national team 24-7, Monday through Sunday, no ends or ifs or buts about it. Mm-hmm. And it did, 
when they were disciplined, yes, it helped them for a while, that discipline. And a lot of great players came out of it, including one of them, Slava Fetisov, which we will talk about him, how him later going into the NHL impacted a lot of Russians going to the NHL. And not just Russians, there's tons of former Soviet countries yeah. that are also mm -hmm. impacted by sending people over to American sports, NBA or NHL. Um, looking at a list of coaches, we were talking about 1960 and 61 coaches, I'm assuming, right? Yes. So we have in 1958 to 1960, we have Antonelli uh, Tarasov. That's the guy. That's the guy who first coached them, invented the beauty of hockey the Russian way. And under his belt, they were able to win one Olympic bronze medal and two world championship silver medals. So they, they didn't have their start to dominance in front in those years. Yet. Yeah. They weren't what we knew them in 1980. They were, as Alan was saying, you're just starting out. After him, we have Arkady uh, Chernyshev. And he was from 61 to 72. Under his guidance, they won three gold medals in the Olympics, three gold medals in world championships, one championship, world championship silver, and one championship mm -hmm. bronze. After him, we have Vesvolod uh, Bobrov. He won two gold, world championship gold medals with the team. After Bobrov, we have Boris Kulagin from 74 to 77. And the coach we knew in 1980 was Viktor Tikhonov. Yeah, that's the guy. And then yeah. he won two gold medals, one silver medal with the team, eight gold medals with world championships. So, like, just looking at that, they knew how to win. Yeah. They're winning bronze, silver, gold at almost every event they go to. They knew how to play. They knew how to win. Mm -hmm. They were dominant. But Absolutely. it wasn't until Arkady that they were able to fully embrace that winning way. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, really. And, and the methods to do that, like, it's like, especially when looking at players, like, you have to fit what they were looking for or otherwise, we don't want you. And was it harsh? Yes. Really, like, imagine... Someone telling you, yeah, you're good, but however, hey, you haven't fit our team. Get out of here. Is it hard? Yeah. But in order to win, he knew, a lot of these coaches knew, they had to establish their system, establish an identity, and for a long time, we saw the Soviets rub it in other people's faces with that identity. And it's kind of, you know, when you think of hockey and you think of countries that would be good at hockey, what are the first few countries that come to mind? Well, we think obviously Canada. Canada. You think of Scandinavia, Scandinavia. Norway, Finland, Sweden. Russia was, and Soviets are not one of the first countries that come to mind when you think of countries that are good at hockey. And like, and that's to our fault as, you know, maybe as biased Americans or whatever you want to call yeah. us but and maybe that's our fault but the 
because clearly they have tons of good players. They have tons of talent, and they, they, they're really good. But when you think of countries that are good at hockey, you think Canada, Scandinavia, Finland, Norway, Sweden. And then, depending on how much of hockey you follow, then you think of Russia. Yeah. And at that time, the Soviets. So, like, well, at that time, it might have been different because the Soviets were so dominant. But, like, you don't, they weren't one of those countries that you say hockey, they don't pop into your head right away. Yeah. It pops different sports mm-hmm. when it comes to Soviet Union. You can think of them in basketball. You can think of them in volleyball, gymnastics. But hockey, yeah, you said it. It's the last sport you think of. And, but... I think we all should do a, should look at them as, hey, they were pretty good. They were astounding. And and even some of the hockey that I watched, some of the beauty of how the Soviet Union played, you can still see it. Not just in the not just in the Eastern European, but also like the Canadian. They some of them have adopted like that Russian play of Offense, offense, and offense. Well, let's look at the NHL today, right? Yeah. So fast-paced. You know, when I watched Miracle on Ice, it felt like I was watching a a hockey game from last year or this year, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the way they played the game is not how hockey's played, it feels like. Yes, it is. And that's just one legacy from the Soviet team. Like, they changed how hockey was played. And everyone has their own spin on it because everyone's going to have an own, their own oh, spin, yeah, own version. But yeah. like the fact that they were able to basically reinvent hockey yeah. is impressive. I totally agree with that. Reinventing hockey, re rethinking how hockey should be played today. You see this in every in every sport. Where sometimes like. Sometimes you may not like an opponent, but you saw the method, and you're like, okay, you know what? This is how they beat us. We're going to use it at them, and then we're going to use it on everyone else. It's basically like we live in a world where stealing ideas, where at first someone will be like, oh, why are you doing that? But in the long run, it is good. It helps you prepare. It helps you want to get better. Not just right now, but also in the long run. Well, and that's a byproduct of globalization, right? Yeah. Like, whether you personally agree with globalization or disagree with it, it has multiple benefits. One of one such benefit is you get to learn how different countries deal with different things, and then you, as a country or as a society, can then decide what parts of that you want to adopt into your own culture, right? Same thing with hockey, right? Soviets, they had this play style. Who was the first country to fall like that we know that followed it right after? The US. Yeah. Who was a team that beat them at their own game? The US. Yes. Like and so for the Soviets to be beaten at their own game seemed not impossible. Like no one could have done it. And yet someone did. And so like as we were talking last episode, like when that happened, they weren't able to get over it. Like, they just could not handle it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, in later years, as, yeah, they won their, their, 
other gold medal, like they have to, even several, several of them have to adapt. Like you know what? Okay, we will still want to be offensive, but we gotta add some defense, and that helped them win another gold medal in the one turn, and then another, and from there it just it just goes to show how teams adapt even after a loss like they were able to you you must be able to build back and be able to really reshape who they are and as the co the last coach in the miracle of ice from the soviet union basically after the loss he basically was like okay i'm cutting basically half the team from the miracle on ice several of them were either already old or be like, you know what? They don't fit my system anymore. I gotta get new players, new blood, as it's called. And and is it harsh? Yes. But in order for you to win, sometimes you gotta make moves like that to to really keep that competitive fire and even that advantage of of trying to win and win and win at any cost. Like I'm looking at Wikipedia right now and whether or not you want to how much stock you want to put in what they say about anything but like okay let's just look at their olympic record real quick yeah since the first games in 1956 in their yeah. first appearance mm -hmm. they won gold in 56 gold in 64 gold in 68 gold in 72 gold in 76 gold in 84 yeah. gold in 88 the only two olympics they did not get gold was like placid in 1960 yeah. like what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then let's go up here, right? International Hockey World Championships, right? 54, 56, 63, 64, 65, 66. They just won golds. Golds, yeah. So, like, you know, when Herb Brooks in Miracle says they're a dynasty, they're dominant, like, no one loses to them. Yeah. As a viewer, like, you're like, Realize, you know, in the back of your head, like, whoa, you know, this is big team. Until you look at their record, okay, and their international record is impressive in and of itself. But like, and we'll get to that in a sec. But until you look at how much they were winning, yeah, it doesn't necessarily register. Like, holy crap, this is a monster. Seven hundred and thirty-eight wins, a hundred and ten losses, and only sixty-five ties. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was this a team or a machine? Yeah, that's a good question. And people can call it either way, but it just goes back to like how the discipline, like how disciplined they were, how their trainings, like obviously like, and I watched this in ESPN 30 for 30, uh, Milicon, I Soviet perspective, that's, that's the main. You can look it up. Obviously, they might charge you for it, but if you want to want, you can rent it as well. But their training was hard, and I think probably put us in there, we would be dead. By probably the by the first training, we would be dead, and and especially in the cold weather of like the, of the Soviet Union. Really, it will, we, nobody would have survived that, but the way they were trained, the way, especially since a lot of, a lot of these players came from the Soviet Union military, 
that was a huge plus for them because they were able to withstand not just to fit, not just to be physically tough, but also be mentally tough and be able to handle those conditions. So when they come into the game, it's like it's a walk in the park for them. And like you watch footage of the this Lake Placid game or any of the highlights of the Soviet team, right? They just played effortlessly. They just they just played. They were there. Like, yeah, like they were having like the minute you start to win is the minute you start to have fun. The minute you don't have fun is the minute you lose. Yeah. And I think for the Soviets, they stopped having fun when in Lake Placid the US tied it. They no longer were having fun, so to speak. Oh, yeah. They realized they were being beat at their own game. And because of that, they they lost. Yeah, and and so yeah, like same thing and and then eventually as the years went ahead political change was coming. Like you no longer have the one man dominance, you no longer have that ideology. Now you're changing into more Betastroika type. And and so because of that, you see guys like uh, Fatisov, Slava Fatisov thinking, you know what? Um, I want to play a different hockey. I want to I want to play pro, make it to to another level. But obviously he was in the military and and then not just him but a lot of guys were thinking about that just because they saw opportunity elsewhere. And like were it not for Slavov, right? Yeah. And what he had to go through in order to come to the NHL. What would the NHL would be so different? Like, NHL is one of those leagues where it's so international. Like, players are from all over, and like when you get to that country, the minute you talk about that that sport, they'll always talk about the team, their players from their country. Like when I was. You know, this is not about Soviet, but when I was in Sweden for a couple of years, you talk about Peter Forsbetty, mm-hmm. everyone loves Peter Forsbetty because, you know, he was a Swede that played hockey, right? Mm-hmm. You go there now, Gabe Landeskog, all these Swedish players that are there, they love him. And so, and that's just Sweden, right? Let's look at the Soviet, right? Okay, Slavov, you bring, bring him up, tons of people would love oh, him. Yeah. I bet he's still beloved there. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, Ovechkin. We talk about him. Boom. People are interested in what you have to say about this sport now, right? Yeah. So, like, because of Slavov, we now have an opportunity for these players to come and for these countries to be behind a player, behind a team that they play for. And they might not care for many of the other players because of, you know, country rivalries and things. But, like... Yeah. They love that team because that's who their countrymen plays for. Yeah. And, like, it's similar to what we were talking about in the last episode with, you know, the U.S. Like, yeah. the minute they realized they were playing for the country, everything changed. But, like, okay, for Ovechkin, for Slavov, the minute they came here, they had a show. We, as, you know, a Slav, as 
Russian as a Soviet. We are tough. We can play this game just as well as you can. And up until that point, no one thought they could, even though they knew they were dominant as yeah. a team in the Soviets in the you know in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. They didn't think they could play in this league until they did. At once they did, everything changed. Yeah, it did, and and, and obviously when you saw the the scene that really made me, um, it touched what that touched me was when. Uh, Fetisov won the Stanley Cup with the Detroit Red Wings and he wanted to bring the Stanley Cup to Moscow so people could see it the commissioner at the time was like no like don't do that because at the time people were still having some feelings about about Russia like but at the end he Fetisov told him hey this is going to be good good for the nation and good for the future players that will come. So the commissioner relented and then next thing you know he comes and he presents the trophy at the Red Square in Moscow. Several people present. They got to see it and obviously him being there you said it, it changed the landscape. It, it showed like hey I know we're good we're not just good as a team but hey, we got we can play as well individually, and and yeah, like it showed what it brought new flavor to the NHL, and you're always looking for new flavor in any sport. You always are. So when you bring in that new flavor, will you get criticized? Yes, absolutely, it happens. But when you test it out, you you. You let you allow that new flavor to do its what it's always meant to do. Then a lot of teams will start looking at you, and be like, "Hey, where can I find more of, of that flavor? Show me where." And that's what Eastern Europe, not just Russia, or the, but also the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, became that crop. Like, okay, we're gonna go into Eastern Europe, or we're gonna go into the Scandinavians, and we're gonna. We're going to get the best players out of there and show them, hey, this is, you're in a bigger, bigger platform. A lot of people, especially in your country, will will be watching you. And that's where, boom, the marketing exposed, not just for the NHL, but also for the nation of that player. And, like, the impact of this game in Lake Placid for the Soviets mm-hmm. it's hard to describe because like they lost so like and it ended their the reign you know like it ended their dynasty but like here we have them now they're at a chance where they can be individuals mm-hmm. in the NHL right you know they had a chance to come and play to show people, hey, look, like you were saying, hey, look, I'm just as good with people I've never played with before yeah. as I was with people I've played with for 20 plus or 10 plus years. Yeah. And like winning the Stanley Cup with the Red Wings, like, okay, let's remember the Red Wings have been dominant for a long time. It yeah. wasn't until oh, last yeah. year they were where they just completely sucked <laughs> <laughs> and had the worst record in all of NHL ever that mm-hmm. people that everyone was shocked by, but like, 
face the Red Wings, like an original six hockey team. Yeah. And so like for one of the original six to say, hey, let's give this guy a shot, it meant something for the rest yeah. of the league. Absolutely. And actually, uh, there's a correction. Uh, he actually started with the New Jersey Devils, played there for around two seasons. And then he went to Detroit. That's where he brought the Stanley Cup. So that my, my mistake on that, he played for the, for the Devils. But, but yeah, that's so true. Like Teams like that, giving them opportunities. And we've seen, boom, their growth. And, and you can even see their growth even in the Winter Olympics where you're just like amazed that it's not just, oh, Canada and Russia or whatever. Now it's like anybody can win it, no matter, no matter who you are. That's why it's not like, okay, so-and-so's going to win. When it comes to ice hockey in the Winter Olympics, and I've seen two of them, you never know who's going to win because you see talent all over, but also you see great teams come out of it. Well, and the cool thing with that, okay, is with the U.S. team in 1980, Lake Placid, right? Yeah. They were a whole bunch of nobodies. Yeah. We watched Ice Hockey Olympics today. It's the superstars. Yeah. Like, the fact that, okay, because what the NHL has done is they've realized, hey, look, we got players that'll want to play for their country in their Olympics. They'll want to represent their country, wear that name across their Mm -hmm. chest. And, like, the fact that the NHL has recognized this and said, hey, you know, we understand this is important to you. You can go play, and you'll be okay for missing this part of the season. You won't be void of contract or anything legal here. Go play for your country. Oh, yeah. And, like, when you're done, if you get out sooner than you want, like, We'll welcome you back with open arms. And so the fact that NHL has done this, it's grown the game even more by the fact that people now have a chance to see superstars they've only seen in, you know, Red Wings, Devils, Hurricanes, like Mm -hmm. different teams' jerseys, right? Yeah. There's like, what, 30 teams in the NHL? So they've seen people with the Capitals jersey, the Knights jersey, Avalanche, Oilers, you know the Canucks, they've seen all these different teams jersey with these players, right? Yeah. But now they get to see them with their country's jersey on. And that just markets the sport so much more. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that allows opportunity for for a lot of for a lot of these players to be marketed and and probably the only sport that I can think of that does that is probably soccer, but however, they have their their FIFA break, which that allows them, okay, go play with your national teams, we have that. Those are the only two sports that I can think of that allow that. And and I think if more sports can allow that, that would be great. It will be it makes it better, growth for the game. We get to see them obviously with their national teams and it's like for me, like I see it in basketball all the time. Like, yeah, I know who Pau Gasol is. Oh, he plays for the Lakers. But when you see him in Spain, and I know I, I can tell you were laughing because you know how much I hate the Lakers. But hey, that's a whole different topic. But you you look at him in Spain, you're like, yeah, he's good in the NBA. But when you see him internationally, oh my goodness, he. The guy can play. The guy is like, 
he's like one of the top players in the world on the international stage. You could say the same thing for Nikola Jokic with Serbia, now in Denver, who plays for the Nuggets. You could say the same thing with Luka Doncic in Slovenia, who plays for the Mavericks, or Giannis Antetokounmpo from Greece, plays for the Bucks. It's the same thing with hockey. You get to see their game complete. Obviously, you see them completely in, in NHL, but when you put them in the world stage, you get to see a different person, a different player, but still with the same skills, and also with, like, several of them with unlimited resources to, to, to know where, where to go and how to play based on the system. Well, and that, here's another cool thing with all that, right? The fact that NHL is so diverse in what countries are playing, right? You have Canadians, you have Americans, you have Russians, Swedes, or Swedes, you have Finnish, you have Norwegians, you have all these different countries and people playing when they, and their teammates on this stage yeah. of the NHL, right? You know, like, they're teammates here. Yeah. But you take them into that international stage, and they're no longer teammates. They might be rivals. Yeah. And so it, that adds a whole other fun dynamic to it, right? Like, hey, look, these two are teammates, but now they're playing against each other. Who's going to win? Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, that makes a whole another fun team dynamic as they come home and be like, haha, I beat you in the Olympics. What are you going to do about it? But, like, for that to happen, it's just, it's incredible. Like, yeah. you don't see that. Yeah, you, you just don't see it. And I think if, because of what he did, what Fatisov did, it, it opened the door. And, and also, with other Eastern European nations joining later on. Like, some may say, oh, it's sad that they were never able to recover, but at the end, they also won because they were able to bring a different aspect, bring a different style of play that you never thought, like, you never thought, like, oh, like, as an adult, for, at that time, you may be but what is this? But for your child who's playing hockey, he will see or she, oh, I can do that. I can play like that. Okay, I'm going to do that. And now you see them all grown up, and they do exactly what they saw when they were a kid. Basically, I always call it, we are a mirror of what we see in any style. And if we like it, <coughs> and we feel it's useful, hey, then I'm going to use it to my advantage. Well, that just brings it back to globalization. Yeah. But, like, <coughs> you know, let's take a brighter or a broader examination of the impact in the last few minutes yeah. of this particular episode here of what this game had on the impact-wise on the overall sport of hockey. Yeah. Players, as we were saying in the last episode, players today attribute their interest and initial interest and the reason why they play to this game. Whether they be American, Canadian, or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. they're playing because of this game. Mm -hmm. And I would bet it probably would, it would be the same for a lot of those the 
descendants from that the Soviet era, right? Yeah. Like, even though they lost, interest in hockey was for them was there because they were now able to be like, hey, I want to play, and I want to try and beat those guys that beat yeah. my country. <coughs> oh yeah, so true. So true, and then, and like you see it in every sport, you see it in basketball, like, like when you mentioned that, it's like the biggest impact I saw for me was the Summer Olympics in Athens, '04, and when the solid when I saw Argentina, who when I think when we think of Argentina, what do we think of? Soccer. Yeah, a soccer nation beating the U.S. Like, I get it in soccer, like Argentina been in the U.S., but in basketball, I was shocked. And obviously, they have great players there in Argentina. It just goes to show you, like, several of them watch the U.S., and they're like, yeah, I want to play the game of basketball because of those guys. And I know once we get to the stage, we're going to beat them. And they beat them. And they beat them convincingly that that led them to the gold medal in Athens. And when I saw that, it made me think, you know what? That even though as much we love, we love Team USA in all sports, but when we see a different nation beating us, it just makes you think like, that's the great part of the world. That we get to see other nations we get to hear the stories of these athletes. How did they came about? Where do they come from? And when that happens, it touches your heart so much that you want to go out and do better. Even if it's not in sports, if it's at school, if it's in your job, if it's in uh, any, even if it's becoming a better parent or, or a better brother or even a better citizen of the world, those stories can help change a person's life. And like, okay, let's let's talk about, you know, let's, we know the 1980 game, right, was yeah. for the gold medal. Yes. Let's say it wasn't. Yeah. Like, let's say it was like that 04 <clears throat> Argentinian US game, right? Yeah. It wasn't for any medal. Yeah. It was just, you know, a state, a to group. To move on to the final. Right. To the gold medal game. So, like, let's say it was like that, right? Yeah. As a sports fan, you want the team to beat you to go on to win it all. Yeah. Like, you want that team to beat it all because the minute your team's out, you're like, well, they beat me. They must be pretty good. Let's root for them to have them win it all because yeah. you want that them to be feel the glory of that yeah. moment you felt so many times. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, Let's put it, you know, like maybe it w- if it wasn't for the gold medal, I think that would have been a different story, right? But yeah. because it was for the gold medal and, you know, the iconic sportscaster line of do you believe in miracles? Yeah, Michael said that, yeah. Like, let's just think about that. Like, okay, like, this was for the gold medal, right? Yeah. If it w- Let's say it wasn't, right? We win as a Soviet sports fan. Yeah, you hate the U.S., but just as a pure sports fan, you'd probably want them to try and go and win it all at that point. If you're a pure and true sports fan, you want that team to win it all. And so, like, 
and that sparks interest in that sport because then you're like, well, they beat me. Let's let's learn about this sport in this country and yeah. how it's a- impacted them and how it's affecting oh, them yeah, now. Absolutely. And so then the sport grows even more. And so even though okay now let's return to that it was the gold medal we they won it all okay mm-hmm. that impacts the game even more it grows it even more because now people are like whoa they won it all yeah against a team no one thought could be done yeah miracles happen okay what is this sport in this country how does it work why is it why are these people a bunch of nobodies oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And now we have them, like, hello, they're people. Yeah, they're, people <laughs> they're like, they just won. They're yeah. champions. And they'll always be champions. Absolutely. And, like, no one remembers this, the second place. But, like, this might be one of the few instances in all of history where people remember second place. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and really, I think... This team, this this Soviet Union team, should be recognized as one of the greatest hockey teams. And I think a lot of people, a lot of us, should do our best to get to know these players, get to know their history. And because what they did was so impressive that just because of what was going on with their nation, like was pretty bad, it shouldn't take away their accomplishment. And and even how they, even though, how they were even treated in the Olympics, because they were put in barracks as their hotel room, like right near the prison, and that to me, I was saddened by that because I'm like, hey, they're also human. I know we may not share political ideas or ideology, but they're human. They're like us. We have, we bleed the same. We both have the same blood, and. That should not take away their accomplishments because what they did, I don't think we may not see this again. And in hockey or probably any sport where wherever they go, gold, 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 gold. I don't think we will never see a national team dominate the way they did. Mm-mm. I mean, because like, okay, let's look at soccer for a second yeah. with the World FIFA World Cup. Yeah. Maybe teams have won it multiple times, or like countries have. Yeah. But they haven't won it every time for years yeah. and years and years. Oh yeah. Like, okay, like they they haven't done that. Mm-hmm. Like okay, ask any Yankee fan and they'll tell you twenty seven rings. But like, yeah. and that might be the one exception in this case because oh, the one Yankees. Exception, yeah. I've been a team where they just were so dominant for so long, like, you know, the evil empire of the 1990s, of the 30s, so many decades where they were just winning it all, but they had moments where they they sucked and weren't winning at all, but, you know, we don't remember those, but they had down moments. This Soviet team, no down moments. Yeah. Okay, they were meddling in every game, like, competition thing they appeared in. 90% 90% of it was a gold. So, like, how does that happen? Yeah, how? That's what I meant by how. <laughs> like, meddling, like, meddling gold is harder, it's harder, but meddling in anything, 
for runs especially, harder. And like, not only that, but every time you skate on that ice on the Olympic stage or international stage, you win a medal. Like, that's what people dream of their yeah. whole lives. And now they have this team they have to face where they're probably not going to win and medal against. Oh, wait. 1980 happens. <laughs> yeah. It does happen. And but they still medaled in that, too. Yeah, so, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They medaled, and, and all they could do is just go up from there. That's all you can do in life, too. Like, yeah. okay, like, you know, you have a moment where you're down after so long of being up. Shake it, for lack of a better phrase, yeah. shake it off and keep going. Because, like, you know, life is going to throw everything it has against you. Yeah. You're going to have moments where you're clawing the dirt just to mm -hmm. keep going. And you're going to have your moments where you're facing your own Soviet team. Yes. And you're going to have a moment where you'll need your own miracle on ice. So, you know, don't think of... And what we're wanting with this podcast and for what people to get from everything is these moments have life lessons too. Mm -hmm. And, like, today's life lesson is that. That, like, you're going to have your own Goliath. Like, the Soviet team was yeah. Goliath. Okay, to bring it to biblical terms, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're religious or not, everyone knows who Goliath is. Or knows that story. Yeah. Soviets were Goliath, man. They, everyone was afraid of them. And this team of nobodies comes in and beats the Goliath. Okay, and how'd they do it? They scraped for tooth and nail. And squeeze that victory out and like that's how you gotta do it in life sometimes you just gotta scrape tooth and nail and then yeah. you'll do it yeah be gritty true grit grind. yeah <laughs> grit and grind so I think we this is a perfect spot to wrap it up uh, we'll we thank all of you for listening tuning in yeah. today uh, tune in next time where we'll we'll time kind of take a quick break from uh, historical impact and talk about a bit of modern history as we talk about how leagues of the NBA, NHL, MLB, and FIFA are all trying to come back in the midst of a global pandemic and we'll talk about should they even consider be doing that at this point? Yeah, especially uh, even what what techniques should be used to for recovery as well. We'll, we'll look at all of that episode. Tune in and until next time. Until next time.